Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the field of psychology and mental health, with host Gabe Howard and co-host Vincent M. Wales. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Psych Central Show podcast. My name is Vincent M. Wales. Gabe Howard is out in the field doing an interview with today's guest. Our subject today is NIMBY, which is an acronym for Not In My Backyard. Basically, what NIMBY is, NIMBYism is, it's an attitude where people in a community do not want a particular thing going into their community. This could be anything from a power plant, a prison, or it could be a facility like the one run by our guest today. Her name is Juliet Doris Williams, and she's the executive director of the Peer Center in Columbus, Ohio. And I'll let Gabe take over from here. Hello, Juliet. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. All right. So first for the, the first thing that we should probably say is that I work for the Peer Center. So you're literally my boss. Just in the interest of transparency, I want to get that right out there so people know that I'm not exactly unbiased in this conversation. But before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about you and a little bit about the Peer Center? So I'm Julia Doris Williams. I'm the executive director of the Peer Center, which is a drop-in wellness and recovery center in Columbus, Ohio. We operate in two locations. We are open every day, including all holidays, and we are a small but growing nonprofit um, in our area, and we also operate a daily warm line, and we see about 200 people a day that come into our centers collectively. In addition to being the executive director of the Peer Center, I'm also a licensed social worker. Uh, I'm also a person who lives with depression and am a childhood and adult trauma survivor. Thank you, Juliet, for being here. What we want to talk about today is is, is NIMBYism. Yeah. And it's the, the not in my backyard. We've all heard of this. It, you know, everybody has heard of you know the, the homeless shelter wanted to move in and the neighborhood turned on them, um, or somebody should do something, but but don't do it too close to my house. Think of the children. This is this is not an uncommon uh, stereotype or trope or conversation that happens in our society. Unfortunately, it happened to the peer center. It, it's happening to the peer center, you know, even really as we speak. And what I wanted to talk about, so the listeners can understand, is well, really, the trauma from the executive director's position um, through the staff and then, of course, to the people that we serve, knowing that essentially we're not welcome here. Mm-hmm. So the first question that I want to ask is, without providing too many details, mm-hmm. what can you sort of tell us about how this started? What was the first thing that you, as the executive director, heard about us not being welcome here? The first thing that we noticed was that a member, a neighbor, a neighbor uh, came into our center and literally had followed two or three of our participants, we call our people associates, had followed three of our associates into the building because they were walking in the neighborhood and and they followed them to see what they were doing and what was this place. And they designated themselves as like a neighborhood watch person. And it's like, okay, so we, we, we welcomed them. We introduced ourselves. We explained our, what we do here, gave them a tour, did the thing that we do. 
for anybody that walks in that we've never seen before. And he said, okay, but then he, it, it, it continued to happen with that person and other people following our people around the neighborhood and um, just to see what they're doing and what what are their what are they up to and all they're doing is basically walking we because we serve people living with mental illness addiction and trauma challenges random things happen people show up to us symptomatic on some days they show up to us detoxing literally detoxing because uh, in this in this space they obviously cannot use drugs or alcohol so uh, while they are here they are in full detox mode but they're you know trying to do what they do trying to get clean trying to not use as it were it was a big deal because one of our people walked up to a car that was parked in the parking lot uh, and asked for a cigarette and somehow that was threatening just having having our people who basically live in the neighborhood walking to us was threatening and because we were actually in a in a we kind of moved down the street from our, our original site and we our, our demographic actually has has changed slightly still a lot of men but there's there's still uh, a lot of black guys. There's some now. There's a lot of white guys, and they come in together, and so it's a gang or something. I don't know, but there's basically walking. So it started out small. Just mm-hmm. people in the neighborhood wanted to know while we were here, and you mm-hmm. said you, you gave them a tour, you introduced mm-hmm. them just, just like we would do for anybody. Sure. You took an additional step. You started to realize that the neighborhood was unsure yeah. of why we were here. Yeah, yeah. So you started to do community events. Yeah, we did the we did the ice cream social. We literally walked around the neighborhood and and left flyers and invited people personally. We didn't, you know, we don't know these people, and so we um, left flyers. And there's several businesses around, and we when we could talk to an individual, we invited them personally to come and have ice cream and come over and take a tour and come over and hear about us and know about us and meet us, uh, meet uh, meet the staff and, and all, all of the staff, 100% of the staff are, are also people who live with mental illness, addiction or trauma. And so meet us and, and meet our associates. And so, and see, you know, we're just, you know, we're just regular people. We got, we got stuff we're dealing with, but we are dealing with it. This is the place to deal with it. So um, it was like a big open house. Yep. Yep, uh, yep. Outside in yes. the summer, outside we with did free ice cream, dancing in the parking lot, um, so a little music, happy, you know, and this the the weather cooperated that day. How did that turn out? What was the what was the impact of that? Well, there were two. There were two impacts. One was a lot of the neighbors did come, and that was so exciting because it was like mission accomplished, right? The second outcome, a couple of days later, is that we get a complaint that people were carrying on in the parking lot. So there were people that did not bother to come and get ice cream, apparently, uh, because they would have known what we were doing had they bothered to come check it out. But they're looking at us through some window somewhere, don't know. And the complaint that I had to field was, you know, these people are out here carrying on in the parking lot. And this event was in the... To be clear, this event was in the middle of the day. This wasn't was the evening the or night. It was the middle was, of a weekday. It was it was marketed heavily. We promoted it all over everywhere. Um, it was open to Franklin County. Obviously, we 
our Franklin County is where we live, or it's our county. Obviously, it was just for the neighborhood. It was targeting the neighborhood, but because we promote it, anybody could really come. At this point, you started to get specific concerns from the neighbors, mm-hmm. and and you approached those head on. You know, some of the concerns were that people, you know, weren't smoking in the correct spots, or right. that people were parking not in the correct spots, um, or that that people were uh, hanging around. But rather than just you know roll your eyes and say that there's nothing to do about it, you enacted some some changes to try to meet the neighborhood halfway. Sure. Can you talk about some of those initiatives? Well, we obviously stepped up our monitoring of um, the outside. We we always had closed circuit surveillance anyway because statistics show that our people, we, are more likely to be victims than we are to be, you know, perpetrators, as it were, I hate that word, of, of crime. We're, we're, more, we're more likely to be victims. Safety is in our mission, keeping it, uh, making our environment safe. And so we've always had closed circuit surveillance. And so we've, we've, you know, had cameras literally all over inside, inside our space, inside the lobby, which is actually not our space, where it's a shared space, um, outside the building. Again, we don't own the building, but they gave us permission to put them up. So we did because we want to keep our environment safe for our people. Um, but we also back to stepped up our monitoring. We created a whole other program for utilizing um, our associates and staff called we called our our parking lot monitors or wellness warriors and so we introduced this whole other program in that we thought was great our associates wanted to help and uh, this was a way they could and they were friendly and really 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 committed to our mission and so it it's to us it felt like a win-win right well no not so much Obviously, the wellness warriors were tasked, along with center security, with yeah. you know walking around the building and yeah. making sure people were doing what they were supposed to do. But also with with you know other you know smaller tasks like picking up cigarette butts or if they see sure. litter, picking them up or, or changing um, you know the trash. Now, our associates, the people that use our center, how did they respond to the the increased efforts, the increased security? Did they mind it? No. They did not, and uh, actually, we had uh, for a while there. We had people say, "Well, how do we become one of those? How do we be a wellness warrior?" And so, obviously, not everyone is, you know, cut out for that kind of duty. But they they did appreciate it, and unfortunately, our associates became aware of these uh, random people that were uh, tracking them as they were traveling through the neighborhood, and it, it became known that um, we were under a little pressure. Uh, to implement some of the cha- these changes, and that's unfortunate. Now, the way that you became known was that pictures started showing up, um, not not clandestine, but you know, people showed uh, written reports, photographs of people in the neighborhood doing things. Is that correct? That happened um, once. We had uh, someone take some pictures of people with their camera phones, and uh, oops. Maybe sometimes we recognize these people, sometimes we didn't. So, and I should say that we are uh, on a major bus line, but like both of our centers, the, the center takes on the flavor of the neighborhood. We're within walk distance of the, most of the people who come. This is their neighborhood. We, we're providing services where they live. And that's important to us, that for us to be that accessible. 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Secure, convenient, and affordable online counseling. All counselors are licensed, accredited professionals. Anything you share is confidential. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist whenever you feel it's needed. A month of online therapy often costs less than a single traditional face-to-face session. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central and experience seven days of free therapy to see if online counseling is right for you. BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central. Many of the pictures and the complaints were not people on Pier Center property. They were just no. people in the neighborhood. In the neighborhood, and they were, like, walking. Right, and, and I don't believe that we ever received a picture or a complaint of somebody actually doing something wrong. No. It was always, no. look at these two people standing here smoking. Yeah, they weren't doing Yeah, nothing. Th- those kinds of, of reports, people weren't doing anything wrong. And then it, it some of the reports actually were just flat out fabricated. There's a nice way to say that. Um, Completely untrue. And because we have closed circuit surveillance, we can run the tape back, give us a date and a time. We have footage and we're like, that didn't happen. So there was was several of those instances where we just made stuff up, just made it up, so. Without going into details, mm-hmm. uh, eventually this became a legal problem. Yes, yes. And when it became a legal problem, of course, now the challenge is we have to defend this legally. Now, yeah. you obviously feel that, that we were completely in the right, but um, and, and I, I believe legally we, we were, but it costs money to defend oh, yeah. this. It, it's It's not about who's right or who's wrong. It, it was It became a situation of who has deep pockets versus who doesn't. Um, And I don't want to speak for you, but I I believe that the challenge was the time that you, the executive director, are spending on the NIMBY issue is time that you're not running the agency. And of course, any money that is going to the legal defense is money that is not going to the people that we serve. Sure. How long did this go on? This went on literally for a year. We're just, just past a year look up social justice warrior and there my picture will be so for me personally professionally and otherwise it was a social justice issue i believed and and our attorney agreed with me that our cause was righteous but the biggest lesson that i've learned in this past year you can be right and still lose so the lesson is knowing knowing when to fight and knowing when to stop. And and the when to stop had to do with we're a nonprofit organization. We could we could, you know, fight this because we'd be right, but the agency is gonna suffer. One, it's a lot of pressure and we 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 are not about pressure. We're about hope and happiness and peace and and you know yeah. <laughs> Happiness, hope, and peace, um, and recovery, and, and having a, a stressful environment or a hostile, hostile environment is not good for us um, as a recovery organization. It's not good for any organization, I think, but particularly for us, because we absolutely know who we are and, and the things, the challenges that we deal with on the personal level. We don't need our outer environment to contribute to that. And so keeping our center, keeping our services um, safe and hopeful and recovery focused, that became the charge. When to fight, when to stop. And so we said, yeah, enough of that. 
the ultimate decision then was to leave this location and and ultimately leave this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Why was this neighborhood selected originally as a site for the Pier Center? Well, the the neighborhood wasn't selected as it were. It was just that's where we where we were. That's where we started from the beginning. We we've been in this this zip code area. So we've been here and we've uh, we're well established in this neighborhood and as we've grown our our space needs have grown and we outgrew um, our original space which was just a few blocks east of our current location and so getting into a bigger space where our our people could spread out more when they're not so crunched up and we were very very excited and happy to be in a bigger space and our also our administrative offices were also in this with this location and so finding this space in this neighborhood in this zip code was just it was a find and we were just very pleased and very excited about the opportunity to continue to do what we do Um, just do it bigger. The people that you serve, Mm -hmm. do they want us to be here? Oh yeah, they want us to be here. And, and I, and I gotta say, I've got some very strong feelings. Um, I I was sharing earlier that I'm both sad and angry and I have some, some grief about the fact that we were unable, given our financial status, we were unable to find a suitable location in this area. And the fact that we have to leave the area is, um, it's sad. So this neighborhood's needs are essentially going to go unmet. We hope that's not the case, but we will not be here to meet them. Our, our services will not, no longer be in this, in this area. We're a small community and, and news travels fast, sure. especially bad news. So it's safe to say at this point that the, the neighborhood, the associates, the, the people that we serve, they're aware that this is going to happen. Um, and, and many of them know the reason. How are they feeling about it? I don't actually know if the neighbors know that we're pulling up stakes, as it were. Well, obviously, they'll know when we they see moving trucks. Our um, associates, we actually have made the announcement to our associates, and they're aware. We've got mixed reactions uh, apparently, uh, word gets out. Talk about a small community. Word got out before we even made the formal announcement. Word got out that we were moving. Word got out about where we were moving. And it's like, how do they even know that? It's like, it's amazing. And uh, apparently, some some of our associates took the initiative to drive, do a drive-by of the, of the new location. And they gave us their, they approved. They approve. So I'm like, okay, that actually made me feel less sad and angry that day when they, they said they approve. And then we've got some, it's like, um, why are y'all going, you know, then we got, why are you going there? And, and, uh, so yeah, it's been mixed. So some, some are excited and happy and some are like, yeah, that sucks. A lot of our collaborative partners surprisingly are, excited that we're moving into this new area because apparently there's a a dearth of services in that area so those are you know on the plus side we always want to go where we're we're needed and we believe that we we do good work and we'll do good work wherever we are obviously the neighbors are going to feel as though they won because they, they wanted the peer center to move on 
Is there a lesson for them in this? I mean, it, it's it's a hollow victory. The, the people that used it, the Peer Center Services, they live in this neighborhood. They didn't come to the neighborhood because of us. We came to the neighborhood because of them. And now those needs are going to go unmet. If you could say anything productive that you wanted to the neighbors, what would you like them to know about how our community and how you as the executive director and our associates and our staff feel about what's happened here? I would need some time <laughs> to pass before I could say something what I that I think is productive. I would ask them if they pay attention to the news. I would ask them if they are aware that we have this huge opiate epidemic in our community. I would ask them, do they believe that people who need help should get help? I would just ask a series of questions because frankly, from a personal level, I need to know that people understand that people who live with these challenges, you know, they're not gonna look like people in their three-piece suits. We all need these services and sometimes it looks messy. And I am going to need some space and some time to renew my faith in humanity because um, it's kind of low right now. You, you're in a unique position, you know, as the executive director of a nonprofit mm-hmm. who, you know, who was involved in this for, you know, well over a year, and this is the way that it ended. What would you like those people to know about what we tried to do here and what happened along the way? Is there any lesson that you can offer to our listeners so that if they find themselves in this position, they can make a better decision? As a nonprofit organization, we can't do ice cream socials every month. But there, there may have been other things to do more proactively rather than reactively, more engagement. And I, I don't know that, that we could necessarily have done that, but uh, more engagement with the community. Maybe knowing, having a better sense of the surrounding neighborhood. People deserve to have services in their neighborhood. The wider society, for some reason, needs to understand that recovery is is messy. It's messy. And a lot of people in poverty or are homeless or have all sorts of other challenges, economic, socioeconomic challenges, this, this isn't pretty work. It isn't pretty work, but it's worthy work. It's worthy. That was what our intention was, was to be of help to the people who live in this neighborhood. I think we did that. So there's another upside. We did that. We will continue doing what we do, just not here. So ultimately, this is not going to slow the peer center down. Nope, not at all. Juliet, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate your candor and your honesty. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in, as always. And remember, you can get one week of free, convenient, affordable, private online counseling anytime, anywhere by visiting betterhelp.com slash psychcentral. See everyone next week. Thank you for listening to the Psych Central Show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you found this podcast. We encourage you to share our show on social media and with friends and family. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show. Psychcentral.com is the Internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. 
Psych Central is overseen by Dr. John Grohall, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is an award-winning writer and speaker who travels nationally. You can find more information on Gabe at GabeHoward.com. Our co-host, Vincent M. Wales, is a trained suicide prevention crisis counsellor and author of several award-winning speculative fiction novels. You can learn more about Vincent at VincentMWales.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email talkback at psychcentral.com. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.